Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey, welcome to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I am the girlfriend, Cindy. I'm, I'm Josh. Yay! I'm Josh. Ugh, I'm Josh, sorry. Well, okay. Josh <laughs> is a girlfriend. fan. It sure is not. Uh, Josh is a fan of horror movies and all things history of those horror movies. And he teaches them to me uh, every week as we watch a horror movie and discuss it. Every month has a theme. This month's theme was H.P. Lovecraft. We are finishing it up with... Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Um... We have come to the end of the month, and I may have saved the best for last. Also the newest for last. Uh Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the color out of space. The caller? Like phone call or the caller? Like C-O-L-L-A-R? C-O-L-O-R. Oh, color. Yep. Or as the original title was, C-O-L-O-U-R. Color. Was H.P. Lovecraft British? No, he was from Providence. Why so the hell was, do you use the U? Because he was, he was an uppity dick. He was one of those like, I'm Ugh. from the upper class. Fuck that guy. We have a very strong For many British different traditions. I don't like people different than me. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, man, yeah. he created a really awesome sandbox that other people got to make and stuff it, in. And it's actually really fun and cool. It's been pretty fun. A lot of monsters. Uh, a yeah. lot of um, techie gadgets and gizmos. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, I would advise, just a quick aside, there is a show on HBO called Lovecraft Country, mm-hmm. which is based on um, several uh, black characters in the world of Lovecraft in, like, the 1950s, I believe. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's and directed it, by Jordan Peele, isn't it? it? No, it's not. It's I think he helped produce it. Oh, okay. I just knew it associated. It deals with the racism of the time and the racism of Lovecraft and also while having the monsters and it's a social comment it's just really good cool and that's on hbo isn't it yeah you you should probably check that out (laughs) just (laughs) throw that out there okay so the color of space color out of space color out of space i'm gonna enjoy how many times you get that wrong i'm gonna get it wrong every time Oh, and it's from what year? Because they've all kind of been from like 80s and 90s. What do we got? Well, I wasn't kidding when I said to you. It's new. It is the newest because this movie came out in 2020. It was, oh, no. This movie was released. This makes me nervous. January 24th of 2020. Well, that's pre-COVID at least. Barely. Um, Okay. So we're not. Means we're gonna have big effects and jump scares. How long is it? This movie is uh, actually considerably longer than everything else we watch this month. See, this movie is one hour and fifty-one minutes we're long. We're not on a. We're not off to a good start. <laughs> okay. Um. Let's talk for a second. I'm not gonna go into detail. No. I literally here's my notes. I wrote. Are you ready? Yes. I wrote 2020. Everything sucks. COVID. Trump. All of it. Fuck everything. It's true. <laughs> it was true. 2020 is my lost year. Oh, 2020. I will say we survived better than most. We just kind of went to our own separate rooms and uh, <laughs> spent a lot of alone time under one roof. Yeah. But we did uh, it. Real talk for a second. Um, mm-hmm. Trump, COVID, Lovecraft, every movies, everything is hide. If you made it, and we're still kind of in it. But it feels like yeah, it's, it's not, coming it's not to an over. End. There's just a light at the end of the yeah. tunnel. 
But if you made it through 2020 intact with your fucking sanity, with your roof over your head, and even if you didn't make it with the roof over your head. You made it. Like, you made it. And you should pat yourself on the back because, man, that year sucked for everyone who wasn't a billionaire. Because they made it like gangbusters last year. Just, while we suffered. They just took off to uh, Cancun, wasn't it? Hashtag politics. Um, yeah. So we're not going to dwell on 2020. Nope. I'm just going to tell you. We all know how bad it was. We love you, and you made it through. And we're glad that we and were part of your getting through. It's going to get better. I know if, uh, we've had, we have a few listeners mm-hmm. who have said that our nonsense makes them giggle throughout the day, uh, which just, is great. That's just what I told her, so she would feel better about doing this with me. Thank you. Not real. Not real. No one actually is. This isn't even recording it's right now. It's not even plugged in. There's not even any batteries in the recorder. There's not really a girlfriend. I'm a figment. Anyway. <laughs> just me talking about myself in a room. What should we be looking for? I'm broken. <laughs> um, so this movie, speaking of broken, I really love this this transition because I get to talk about one of the craziest human beings who currently lives. And who is that? This movie was written and directed by Richard Stanley. Richard Stanley is a fucking psychopath in the best possible way. Tell me more. And I, you ever see someone and you're like, I just wish they were my friend so I could hear him tell me stories. And this is that, so for, he's Richard, that guy for you. Richard Stanley. This was his first film in 24 years since he was fired from the island of Dr. Moreau starring Val Kilmer. Oh, and Mark. Good on him for being fired. That was a piece of shit, piece of trash. Okay, okay. well, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, It's been 28 years since his last completed film, which was Dust Devil. And um, he was fired from Down Dr. Room, played by John Frankenheimer. Here's the deal about Richard Stanley. Tell me all of it. So he directed Hardware and Dust Devil, two incredibly good movies in the early 90s. I've never heard of That made a ton of money. He's British. All right. He's made a ton of, like, money off of no budget. So he got the Hollywood treatment of, like, what do you want to make? And he chose this. And he was like, I want to make The Island of Dr. Moreau. And there's a oh. whole documentary. Yeah, whole there is. two-hour documentary about Richard Stanley and what happened on that movie. And it is... Fucking I feel like I know that. Crazy. So I just adore Marlon Brando. His life was so wild. And the name of his autobiography, in case you're interested, is Songs My Mother Taught Me. Yeah. Memoirs of Marlon Brando. Um, he is a nightmare person. Yeah, he is a nightmare person. And he's the reason, like, he met Richard Stanley and agreed to do the movie because he liked Richard Stanley. And then, and then when he got over there, him and Val Kilmer just decided, let's be the biggest assholes yep. we can possibly be and derail this motherfucking movie. And they tried to. And, and they, they did. did. And not only that, so he's dealing with, like, Brando, who's just refusing to do things. There is no Rewriting the script, demanding insane things, while Val Kilmer's like, Val Kilmer agreed to play a part, and then at the last minute was like, no, I'll do the smaller part? So yeah. they had to, like, recast him with someone else? It was a nightmare. It got the, the it set. Was bad. They built a set. The set got hit by like a fucking hurricane and washed away. So they had to rebuild it. So they were like two months behind schedule after the first day. Marlon Brando just improvised all his lines because he refused to it, memorize yeah. or even read half the and script. And then like the studio showed up and they're like, hey, what's going on? And then half the cast just started blaming Richard Stanley. 
and the cast that blamed him was Val Kilmer and, and Marlon, Brando. Marlon Brando. So they fired him, and he had to pay him. He had a pay or play deal. Said to give him all of his money, and then they were like, "Hey, Richard Stanley, you're fired. You have to leave Aust because they're shooting in Australia. Like you have to leave Australia. Get on the plane. Go back." You're done. You're fired. So he took his money and he just walked into the fucking jungle and just lived on those dudes' farm and ate LSD. Are you serious? Yeah. And just ate mushrooms and LSD at this dude's farm beside where they were filming the movie for the length of time they filmed the movie. And then some of the cast found out he was just living there. So they brought him back months later and just dressed him up as one of the monster extras. And he's in the movie? He's in the movie. Oh my goodness. It's fucking insane. Please do yourself a favor and watch Lost Soul. It's one of the most insane movie documentaries I've ever seen. Richard Stanley. I swear I must have seen it when I was in my Marlon Brando phase. To to tell you the kind of dude Richard Stanley is, um, he and there's a Swedish filmmaker, um, they did a ritual. Yeah. To the Lovecraftian deity Yogg-Sothoth, okay. while li- like lived in the Pyrenees Mountains to make sure this movie happened, Richard Stanley's mom had okay. brain cancer, and they told her she was gonna. I think it was brain cancer, and they said she was gonna die. Oh my god! And he took a um, meteorite that had fallen from the like the sky. What are you talking about? Okay, right now? this is real. Richard Stanley had a meteor, like a small meteorite. Okay, and it like leaked this ooze like this liquid and he poured it in her eyes when she was dying and she didn't and she lived for like another like five years but she went fucking like feral crazy after a while what are we sure it was a meteorite and not one of those joe dirt frozen turd bombs richard stanley like He's Gosh. such an inter- like he's such an interesting dude. Like just listen to one of his interviews. He did several interviews about this movie and about how he is such a huge Lovecraft fan. Like when he was a kid he read all the stories. That's a, that's what him and Nick Cage have in common. Spoiler okay. alert, this movie stars Nick Cage. What? <laughs> they both are huge. I mean huge Lovecraft fans. Oh my goodness. And they both at one point in their lives quested for the Holy Grail. Separately from one another. Why are we talking about these movies? Okay. This movie is fucking incredible. Y- yay. That is Richard Stanley. I love him. Okay. Um, Tell me more about this movie. Hold on, hold on. So it was, he, he directed and co-wrote it. It was also co-written by Scarlett Amaria, who wrote... Um, Amaria, Amaria. No. Okay. The Theater Bazaar. It was based on the... Colorado Space by H.P. Lovecraft, and it was produced by Spectre Vision. Phil Spectre. No, even better, which is a company that is co-owned by Elijah Wood. So Elijah Wood. Oh, we do like Elijah yeah. Wood stuff here. Um, this was Elijah Wood's company's, well, I won't say his company because it's him and like two other guys, but this was their follow-up to Mandy. Oh, damn it. <laughs> They produced Mandy, and Mandy was a big hit, and they're like, you know what? Let's let Richard Stanley make another movie, and this movie is fucking crazy. So here are things I need to look out for. Psychedelic colors. 
cutaways, lots of blood, lots of gore, cutaways, psychedelic colors, cutaways. This is the psychedelic movie. Am I right? This is more psychedelic than Mandy was. Okay. Um, all right, so this, the cast. So Nick Cage. This movie stars Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Coppola. Um, he plays Nathan. You know him from The Rock, from Face Off, from Mandy, was from this Valley movie... Girl, from Moonstruck, from Raising Arizona. Was this movie part of your Nicholas Cage variety pack? Nope. Really? I no, thought all his shooting... movies new. Like this movie's oh, like yeah. his, one of his most recent films. Your variety pack were all his shitty movies from like 2018, I think. Never mind. No, before that, like his his like lol, his like weird lol. Oh period. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Go um, ahead. Sorry. So he's the lead. His wife in this movie is Jolie Richardson. She plays Teresa. She's in another incredible uh, horror movie called Event Horizon, which I- may get. Watched the future. I've heard of it, but um, I've, never, I've never seen it. She's also in The Patriot, and she kind of hit it big on that show Nip Tuck. Remember that on FX? Oh, I remember it. Never watched it. Yep. Um, Madeline Arthur plays their daughter, Lavinia Gardner. Ooh, Lavinia. Mm-hmm. She was in Big Eyes. The uh, Big you know, Guys or Big, big eyes. eyes? Okay, Do I talk big, like a... No, but Big Guys is just, it's a different type of movie. Yeah, but I mean, like, do I have a speech impediment? Because sometimes I feel like I'm hard to understand. No, they're just words that sound the same. Big okay. Eyes, Big Guys. Just, just checking. Black Ice, Black Eyes. Uh, <laughs> Elliot Knight. Elliot Knight. Uh, plays Ward Phillips. He was in... <laughs> the name Ward always makes me yeah, laugh. Yeah, he was in the show Titans, the DC universe comics show titans gotcha and he was on once upon a time i believe he played merlin uh, i was after i was broke i, that show I didn't watch that show so i don't know i'm just that's when i was looking him up all right um, brendan mayer plays um, the mayor plays the other son he oh. was luke in the guest oh we've seen that yeah, yeah i love that fucking all movie right. so much um you just keep laughing. and Because I get to talk about Tommy Chong. Is he in this movie, too? Tommy Chong is in this movie. He plays Ezra. Um, I wrote in my notes, you know him as Chong. Yeah. He's um, he's, he's Chong, man. He's the shorter of the... He's the one who didn't go to jail. No, he no, is the he one did who go to he's jail. He's the one who he did go to jail. He got fucking jacked He and his wife are on TikTok, and they're so funny. They're so good... They're just funny. She's very Barbie, you know, but they are, they're older now. And he, they're both just stoned all the time. It's adorable. Um, and lastly, I've been dreading this the entire episode because I have to say this name. And again, I am very sorry because I'm going to say it wrong. If it's Stephen, oh. No. It, her name's like Corianka Kilcher. Uh, right. She plays the mayor. She was Pocahontas in Terrence Malick's The New World. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, I never saw it. She's, a, she's it. a First Nations yes. person, and I've you. I like did the research to try to figure out how to say her name, and I couldn't find like I, I found people like spelling it out, but I couldn't find like someone pronouncing it in a oh, way that okay. I would be like, oh, I can do that. So I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, we'll forgive you. It's all so right. At least we say I, we're sorry when we decimate their land. Yeah. Um, also, also, spoiler alert, I enjoy the fact that this movie has a First uh, Nations person in a major role that's not like a, oh, it's a monster and we have to have this Native American come or and she's like, exercise them. 
Or, like, do some, she, like, spiritual shit? She's, she's, like, the mayor of the town. Does she play <laughs> a very stereotypical, like, at one point is she going to wear a headdress? Because that's the other roles that Native people always get. No. Like, Good. that's why um, Richard Sally's pretty cool. Like, he just makes her the mayor, and she's kind of an asshole. It's like, interesting that horror movies have been, you know... Are more progressive traditionally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Day of the Dead was... Or Night of the Living Dead, I mean... They just pick the well, best person. It was all of Romero's stuff is pretty progressive. But I'm just saying, like the 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 first one, he just picked the best mm-hmm. actor, and it happened to be a black guy. He he just picked the right actor, and it happened to be a fair indigenous person. I mean, there's so much like subtext in horror movies, and I feel like that's why I love horror movies so much. Because you like listening and finding out subtext. It's because horror movies are always a reflection to what is happening in our culture at the time. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you've heard us talk about that. Right. More so than any other genre. Agreed. Like, horror films are always like, so this is what's going on in America right now, or whatever country the shit comes from. Like, and that's why I think they're so interesting. Fair. Um, are you ready I'm to ready. see this poster? So, this is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me a print of the film, and I try to say, oh, well, here's what the plot is going to be. Yeah, fucking good luck. <laughs> It's psychedelic cutaway. Psychedelic bright colors. Psychedelic. Okay, here's what I'm not, I'm not even looking at the poster anymore. My eyes are shut. Hands are my eyes. This movie is going to be about someone trying to live forever and they end up ripping a hole in the time space continuum that allows monsters to come in. And the person that does that is probably Nicolas Cage. I'm not going to lie. Knowing what we've watched this month, that's a pretty fucking solid guess. Thank that's what I mean. Like it was. It's not correct. Oh, well, shit. But that's pretty much been a lot of Lovecraft, right? Like that seems to be the general dickhead yeah. scientist wants to live forever, ruins everyone's lives around him to achieve said cause. Right. Things get wacky. And just by time. listening to the list of people, the characters in it, like. Right, if Nicolas Cage plays the old psychic, psychotic doctor, then the guy who played Luke in uh, whatever that movie was, you know, would probably... Oh, Star the Wars. No. <laughs> you just like the someone that played Luke. I'm like, you see, it, Star Wars. In the movie about the guy who comes... Debbie does Dallas. Beats everyone up. And we like it. And it has the guy... From look, look thing right there. Look That's, on your list. What the fuck? Look, are you on, talking your, about? look on your list. That was a sound you just. Who is the younger actor who was who, who played a guy named Luke in? Do you ever the now? guest? Yes, the guest. Thank you. So vague. Well, it was a guy. Who, I said Luke. It's not like <laughs> Star about Wars. Beautiful. About Star Wars. All right. Anyway, that he um, he would have been the guy who. You know, oh, he, he was my, I was his apprentice, and I'm the only one who knows his crap. And, yeah. Okay. I will give you one last piece of trivia before we go. What? Uh, Richard Stanley's favorite Nicolas Cage performance is a little gem called Vampire's Kiss. Have you seen this movie? Nope. Where Nicolas Cage runs around like a lunatic. I've seen man. After being turned into a vampire, and he's like, I'm a vampire! The entire time. Nope. He was like, could you do that for this? And Nick Cage is like, okay. <laughs> so, so you're about to get. I'm about uh, to get. You're about to get Nick Cage Fistful turned up of to Cage. eleven 
for parts of this movie. I don't know. I make fun, but I do secretly do kind of love Nicholas Cage. I mean, I specifically wrote the notes to include Moonstruck just for you. you. Johnny has his hand. Johnny has his right. Sorry. That's a thing. I lost my hand. Everyone always makes fun of Nick Cage. Like, he's so crazy. He wasn't always. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. But he's like a really nice guy, apparently. One. And two, as crazy as he is, he's got such a wide range of movies. Everyone likes at least one. Fair. Right? Everyone's like, I like the one where he stole the Declaration of Independence. I like the one where he's on the, you know, he gets held hostage by soldiers with uh, Sean Connery. Like, Nick Cage is just a good fucking time. I suppose so. Okay, where can we watch this movie? I mean, I think it might be on Shutter still. I have the Blu-ray. Sweet. Honestly, this one's not hard to find. Like, you well, should be able yeah, to find this one. It's fairly newer. New. Like, I think you can go buy the Blu-ray for like six or seven bucks. It's, it's probably in a it's, bin. It's worth owning. Like, this movie's pretty pretty fucking crazy. All right. You, so, we're trusting you on this, Josh. It's not like Jay Gomer. You're going to pay like 25, 30 bucks for a Blu-ray. <laughs> All right. Well, we're trusting you. Mm, if you okay. want wackadoodle Nick Cage in Crazy Colors and See Mandy. the perfect movie to watch when you're out of your fucking mind high, this is up on that list. Interesting. All right. Well, join us, won't you? <laughs> mind the doors. Look at this. All those years in the big city, we finally got out. We're living the dream. Maybe it is a dream. Then everything just blew up. Like a pink light, or actually, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before. Looks like a meteorite. You mean it's radioactive? I mean, it's from space, right? Meteorites are generally no more dangerous than ordinary rocks. How can something that big just disappear? Did you plant those? No. Ward, can you come here for a sec. Oh, God. What are you doing? Shh. He's talking to me. Who's talking to you? A man in the well. It's in the static. It's in the moisture. It's in here. It's out there. What's out there is in here now. Everything's under control. Why are you so in denial? That thing from the meteorite changes everything around it. Can you believe me now? I don't know what I believe anymore.
well, well, what did I just watch? <laughs> Welcome back to Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death from watching uh, color in, Coloring in Space. The yeah. Color of Space. The color, the color Out of Space. There you go. There it is. The, the best is that I have a student teacher this uh, quarter with my classroom. And real nice kid. And he, we always say, what did you watch this weekend? And we, we go back and forth with what we watched. He watched, uh, well, we'll get to that later. And... I said, I watched color coloring in space. I don't know color space. And he's like, Well, what was it about? And I said, Nicholas, color out of space, Cindy. You meant the color out of Volo. The color out of space. It's a very famous story. It's weird that you don't call it that. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Fair. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're actually going to start this episode with something slightly different. Well, so in the front half, we what? recorded early. Yeah. What the, the one week that we tried to record a early. Of these makes. Yes. This is why we don't. Um, so two things of note. One. Gentle listeners. I believe in the beginning part of the episode, I referred to Richard Stanley as British. He is not British. He is South African. How dare you. So there you go. It's There's okay. They're awful people too. I was wrong. Here's where he was wrong. So apparently it's come out, at least to our knowledge in the past few days, that Richard Stanley has been accused in the past of domestic violence and assault and battery on his long-term then-girlfriend. Correct. So that's Um, a thing. Now, at this point in the story, or in the narrative, I should say, it's still considered allegations. However, uh, Josh and I always, always Always believe the victim victim Um, and uh, and prove otherwise. That's right. I think it's interesting that we were talking, I think it was last episode, about can you separate the art from the artist and like the difference between like um, someone who's a monster... I gave, I almost gave poor Grant. Like Woody Allen and I think Grove Plants Girl yeah. talked about as being like monsters. Um, I almost gave poor Grant a heart attack when we were talking about this movie. And he said, oh, you're doing a podcast about it? And I said, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're not sure how to wrap it up because the director or somebody just beat the hell out of his partner. And, and Grant went, who is it? And I was like, I don't know. And for some reason in my head, I had it that the director of this was the same director as Mandy. <laughs> and I guess Mandy is Cosmos or... Panos Cosmatos. Cos- he knew that right off the top of his head. He was like, there is no way that is true about Panos Cosmatos. He is a gentle giant. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, okay. This podcast is at least, <laughs> I can say, comfortably 50% incredibly pro it was just so funny at the top of his head. He was like, there is no way. No, there's, I could not see Panos Cosmatos hurting anything, let alone another human. Um, but Except in the movie just so Mandy. we're on the same page, uh, I, I don't want to like get it twisted. I want to keep this as accurate as possible. These allegations are not new. They apparently reported to the police several years ago and only recently came out. Oh my God. During his... Uh, now like, that he's famous. Like a couple years ago, since his fame came back, and he had worked out a three-picture deal with Spectre Vision, which is... That has since been canceled. Co-ran by Elijah Wood. They've since canceled it. He had... Uh, Arrow Video was going to do re-releases on 4K of Dust Devil and Hardware. Those have been canceled. Yeah. Um, and I'm just saying, like, <clears throat> maybe... <laughs> Maybe, Arrow, if you hear this, don't cancel those. Just take 
whatever money he would have made and donate it someplace nice. That might be a good idea. Um, because I feel like as I feel like an asshole saying this, but I kind of still want to own those on 4K. So, contra- so certain celebrities have brought up the idea that the problem with cancel culture, and I don't like to use that term. I don't call it cancel culture. It's suffering your consequences. Um, but the problem with that is that the suffering, like there's there's no barometer. What Louis C.K. did, where he whipped his dick out and would masturbate in front of women, is not as bad as Aziz Ansari, who had what he thought was consensual sex with a girl who she later said it wasn't. And you know what I mean? Like there's two very different things, but they're both canceled. And so there has to be some sort of... So maybe that's the key. Maybe the key is admitting what you did and then t- you know, taking a knee and donating the profits from certain things. Yeah, I think it's showing a change over time is how, like... Yeah. I don't know how uh, Aziz Antari handled that situation because I don't really follow him, but I know Louis just kind of was like, ah, fucked up. Here's some secret show information. Like... Is he, I will say that, because I, I have been a fan of his, he t- he uh, his official statement was that... No, no, the, the, his accuser didn't accuse him of rape. It was just, she wasn't... Like, they were making out, and he wanted to take it further, and she wasn't really into it, and he wasn't taking the hint. He was being a little too... A little too pressure, a little too much pressure. And after the fact, she was kind of... She was hurt by that. Okay. And... So he took a knee for a bit, and then his stand-up that came out, I think about a year or so later, it was all about, he was like, you know, I look back on my comedy, and and he talks about all the times that he didn't pay attention to his actions. So he's, one of his more famous skits is he talks about um, his cousin, round, round, and on the ground, and, you know, I don't remember, the uh, Harris, and Harris just eats, and da-da-da-da-da, and... He talks about in his, in his newer stand-up, like, yeah, I never asked his permission for that. And suddenly a teenage kid is just being pounded by the internet for being the fat kid who's related to Aziz. That kind of fucked up my cousin's life, and I didn't even think about it. So I take that, you know, and he, kind of, he broke it down and about how he had to grow. And it wasn't something where it was just this lone incident. He owned up to... This that incident helped him to realize he has a pattern of behavior. Here are some examples. Here's humor, and he ended the show with, you know, if you got some laughs, that's fine. If you learned something, that's probably better, you know. And and, and I yeah. I can appreciate that. But I think there's a far cry between what that is and what this. Oh is. yes, and, for and sure. I don't think you're, you know, trying to draw that line or make that difference. I'm just saying, like, I feel like this is an opportunity. I know mm-hmm. the idea of like the cancel culture, and that's to me it really comes down to how do you or what is it okay to enjoy an artist's past work that you've enjoyed if you know that they are point of fact not a good person. That is so. So now I get into the headache of well, where does it stop? Because Elvis Presley was kind of an asshole and and a child molester. Well, let's say child molester. I mean. He, Elvis Presley hooked up with Lisa Marie, not Lisa Marie Presley. What's her name? Yeah, Lisa Marie. Uh, when she was like fourteen, and yeah. he was like twenty-four or whatever. Yeah, like that's a thing. 
that's a thing. That definitely happened. That occurred. And we've all had to kind of, you know, David Bowie, the biggest fans of him are the first to admit he had some problems. Don't put him on a pedestal. You know, he wasn't a god among men. He was an artist, and he did good things, and he did bad things. I just feel like... I think that we've... It's just so hard, because... Like, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't accept those things. We shouldn't. But it has been accepted for so long that it's hard to retroactively say, hey, that's... Oh, I don't know. I I don't know. The question's even trickier in film, because if a novelist writes a book and he's a real sack of shit, like, I don't know, say there was a person who wrote a series of fantasy novels about a boy wizard, and then she spends a lot of her free time trashing transgender people because they're a terrible fucking person. Oh, I thought... I was going to bring up the example of, say, you're a famous author who writes a dystopian, futuristic novel about, you know, kids playing video games and turning that into their future and the realistic and then what's real and what's not, and you turn out to be a racist, misogynist piece of shit. Yeah, but here's the difference between, like, an author? That's a solo work. You could even say, like, music to a degree can be almost a solo work, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if it's someone who's like, I wrote the music, I do the lyrics, I just bring, like, a session band in, whatever. Film is such a collaborative medium. It's so weird because... That's a... Hmm. Like, Roman Polanski. Let's let's just wade into the deep end of the pool for a second. Cindy zones out. Go ahead. Like, do you think... That it's okay to enjoy Rosemary's Baby or Chinatown. Which, I'm not the biggest Chinatown fan. I think that movie's a little racist. Well. <laughs> but say Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. It's a it's a cornerstone of horror. It's actually the movie that kind of started new horror uh, in Hollywood, right? It was a big budget blockbuster horror film in the new quote vein of filmmaking with a lot of people attached to it. Like you've got John Cassavetes, Mia Farrow, um, Robert Evans is producer. You've got all these personalities and because the director is a monster who is a convicted child molester and pedophile it's that weird thing where like I have a hard time like I understand like if you're a John Cassavetes fan like how do you how are you a fan if you don't watch you know his canon like I get that I I think what what it comes down to for me most of the time is their admission or not admission of guilt does that make sense so like even Jerry Lee Lewis would laugh and be like, well, I was thinking in my head when he talked about, me, you know, when he married his 14-year-old cousin or however old she was. And, um, and the problem with Roman Polanski is that an international court, no, it was, it was, where was it, France or whatever, he was convicted beyond a shadow of a doubt. He was convicted by a jury of his peers. And then he ran. And he doesn't own up to what happened. And I feel like if he... Of all people on this planet, if it had come out, because this happened in, what, the 70s? If it had come out and he had just said, I lost my wife, I lost my child in this horrific way, 
yes, I I need to certain. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like you can all not almost write it off because what he did to that child is ridiculous, but it's like okay, he can go get treatment for that. He recognizes there was a problem. He knows it needs to be fixed. By running, he's saying, I didn't do anything wrong. There is no problem. No, there's a fucking problem here. Yeah. Um, my take on it is this. Here's where I, and this is how I view it in my head, and I would honestly really be interested to hear from people in a rational, reasonable way he says that because I'm not often rational. No, I'm talking about I don't want people to, <laughs> do, you know, misconstrue what I'm saying one way or the other and think that I'm defending or attack. It, it just is how I believe. And this is how I believe. I think I can take Roman Polanski's filmography up until the, the incident, incident and look at it and go, the people that made mm-hmm. these movies, that worked with him up until that point... You know, none of it had come out. Okay. If, if there was a history. I don't know if there was a history. If it was an isolated incident. Again, I don't know. I just know that from that incident okay. on, they're culpable for making a movie with a convicted felon on the lam who was convicted of having sex with a child. Yeah. And I can't justify supporting that, that art. In any okay. Way. It's the so same, if we say that same, if we apply that to this guy, it's the, yeah, I was gonna say it's the okay. same way with the Jeepers Creepers movies, and that's why we'll never watch them, and we'll never talk about them on this show, because Victor Salva was convicted of having sex. I think it was sex with a child, and then went to prison, got out of prison, and then just did it again. Kept. They were like, let's just keep letting you make horror movies, and. I am not okay with that. Yeah. So that's where I draw my line. Like, I'm not going to deny... It's not a very... Not very high off the ground. (laughs) It's a very low bar. Don't sleep or fuck a child. Okay. Yeah. Like... How can people still not do that? I'm saying, like, my line with, like, the art... Oh, I see. Like, Mm -hmm. I I understand that Rosemary's Baby is important. And there's a lot you can learn from Rosemary's Baby by watching it as like an, a film item um, I think it's actually his most important work not Chinatown but all of that was made prior to him being a fucking monster to someone yeah and I I can't fall I, th- I do think that you should lose the rights to royalties and whatnot from those things that if you okay. exploited someone or whatnot and like I, if by some odd chance someone at Spectre Vision hears my voice... You know they do. Maybe don't cancel the next two Lovecraft movies. I mean, you can't use Richard Stanley's scripts because they're his, but that maybe this would be a really great opportunity to do two other Lovecraft movies with a person of color or a woman, a woman at the head yeah. of them. Or a person of color who is a woman. Yeah, maybe. Like... I think it's an opportunity to, because I feel like as fans of these things, we deserve them. Right. Just not from these fucking people. Yeah. Right? Like it's, There are other people out there who can do, who are trying to do as good a job and yeah. just have a break. Like, I want a sequel to this movie. 
but I don't want it from Richard Stanley now. Well, I want it from someone else who is going to be crazy. All right. Well, that brings us full circle because we haven't said word one about this movie. <laughs> All right. So that's where we stand on that. There you go. All right. So this movie, this movie is about a family whose lives are destroyed when a meteor lands and creates a an alien in their will? Question mark, question mark. I'm not too, or is it a, yeah, there you go. That's what I say. An alien in their well? Um, Was it a demon in their, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, we've seen this movie before and a lot shorter. In? So this, the, the original story was the inspiration behind the um, Jodie Verrill section of Creepshow, where Stephen oh, King played okay. yeah, yeah, the yeah, farmer, yeah. and the right. meteor fell, and it split open, and he's like, meteor shit. Right. And then it just grew and overtook the land with the water. Like, yeah. And it even had, like, the flowers yeah, and stuff. Like, okay, I get it now. I'm not going to lie. Um, I like this movie. I like that section of Creepshow more. I like that as soon as I saw Nicolas Cage, I went, oh, he's playing old. He's playing old, guys. Um, So the IMDb synopsis is, A secluded farm is struck by a strange meteorite, which has apocalyptic consequences for the family living there and possibly... Possibly. ...the world. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Okay. Yeah. This was a very good... It it was a Lovecraft movie. There's There's an alien or some sort of monster... People are slowly being picked away. There's or a bit of a mystery. Fundamentally being altered in some way. In some way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're. The only thing is that they're not looking for some sort of fountain of youth or that the meteor finds them before, you know, rather than them finding the meteor. So does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I will say that here's some things that I picked up. All right. So I thought. A reoccurring theme in a lot of Lovecraft that we've talked about briefly, but I think we always get caught on like the mad scientist. Yeah. So there's the theme of forbidden knowledge. Oh, it makes sense. Consequences of that knowledge. Yeah. And trying to know the unknowable. I guess that's what I mean when I yeah the fountain of youth thing. Okay. Like we're whether it's like the secret to immortality or like trying to grasp. A civilization or being light years beyond your comprehension. Right, that you're not supposed to... You're not... Right. Yeah, that's kind of Lovecraft in a nutshell. Right. Um, This movie also deals with the theme of, like, how our bodies are reshaped by just simply being near these things. Much like how... Oh, yeah. um, (laughs) Stephen King turned into a moss man in King Show. Everyone in Nicolas this movie Cage is, is like developing like yeah, scales. They're fundamentally altered by having yes. this thing near them, Ugh. and by it changes the land, and then by proxy them by being on and eating off and drinking out of the land. Right. Um, which I will say, this movie hits in a really weirdly personal place. Why is that? Because in a time when. All over the country, but especially West Virginia, our water is poisoned. True. The idea that this thing lands immediately corrupts the groundwater and then starts fundamentally changing everyone because we live in an area where the capital city, which is right down the road, 
Uh, all of the water was poisoned a few years ago, and we don't know what that's going to look like for us. I'm really hoping it's like, some sort of superpower, but probably I mean, we'll cancer. See. We'll probably see. cancer. Well, it, it, it's some sort of seizure disorder in people, other people we know. So yeah. here's hoping. It's real fucking exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. And then also the concept of time is big in this movie and how it shifts. And it's really subjective. Like, time is incredibly subjective in this movie. Yeah, I'm trying to... Okay, go ahead. Like, I'm trying to follow that thought, but go ahead. Lavinia, the oldest daughter, it takes her like six her. hours to clean that knife off. Because she's just standing there, and then she, like, blinks her eyes, and, like, six hours have passed. Right. Her brother gets lost in the field behind the house, and he's like, I... I didn't know where I was. Like, looked up, and it was night, and I'm like, what? Um, the... What... I'm trying to remember his name. The Tommy Chong character. Yeah. He uh, talks about how he's been recording the aliens mm-hmm. that landed with the meteorite for for ages like it's been it's like a long time yeah and then by the end of the movie when they find him he's like mummified yeah it's like he's ancient it was because time is passing differently for everyone and like nick cage i thought i was gonna i was gonna say he almost looked like an updated version of the stephen king from uh creep show yeah nick cage becomes a part of the time loop because he starts experiencing past, present, and future at the same time. All right. Um, which is why he can see his dead family when they show up at the end. And they're like, where's your family? And he's like, they're right here. And he points to the and couch. And he's talking because, to them. Yes. Yeah, because he's... He can see them because of the way that time is folded. Yeah, he's past, present, and future. He's like, past, present, and future Nick Cage. Yeah, he's essentially become one with the way that the color this thing that fell from the sky is altering time around it it's bending mm-hmm. like i think even the oldest son mentions like bending time like yeah. a black hole bends time that's that would be the way that was the only way i could describe it yeah um i do think that there's an interesting thing with lavinia love her again only one yeah she's really great she wants nothing more than to leave and she keeps saying constantly I'm going to leave, yeah. Like, let's just get out of here. We got to go. We got to go. I'm going to leave. And then at the end of the movie, when she's presented the opportunity to go... She stays. She decides to stay, and that's because time has wrapped around her, too. And I believe that if she were to go, that would be tantamount to killing her family. Because she'd be taking herself out of that time stream. And her family is dead. Okay. But not in that past, present, and future. Okay. The same way Nick Cage experiences time. Oh, I'm just, I'm trying to. Okay, I think I don't think I realized that the entire family had died. Well, until yeah, by the time you know, by the time that they they, they try to get her to go, Nick Cage has burst into the room right and shot the mom and small child monster fusion <laughs> monster <laughs> and said. You're not my family because his family's downstairs because he's trapped in all periods of time. Okay. His oldest son is been absorbed in the well. Yep. And Ezra, or not Ezra, is it Ezra? It, the Tommy Chong character? He's like the squatter. He's aged into like a mummy. Yes. And so, ugh. yeah, Lavinia's only option this is movie. to either stay. 
or leave, and the leaving when she leaves the farm or leaves the influence of the color, right. I believe time will move normally for her and then her family will be dead. Do we want to talk for briefly about the alpaca situation? They have alpacas. It was, oh, I was talking about when they all glumped into one and they were just like a big gelatinous with alpaca heads thing. That was pretty foul. Yeah, that's very John Carpenter-y. What? This fucking movie. This movie. Um, We have not been doing Arkov this month because Lovecraft doesn't really play too much into the Arkov world. They're not meant to be exploitive type pictures. I think this movie would. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do we want to do that with this one? So is there action? Yes. Is this a revolutionary idea? I mean, it's based off of a short story. That was the revolutionary idea. Yeah. Okay. Killing for sure. (laughs) Oratory. Yes. I mean, alpacas. Let's be honest. You don't hire Nick Cage and not get a whirlwind of a performance. That whirlwind may be terrible and ruin the movie. Or it may be amazing and be the best goddamn thing you've ever seen. I'm going with that. Mandy. But you're, you're subtle. You're not getting a lot of subtle with Nick yeah. Cage. You know what you're getting. And then we have fantasy and fornication. There is fornication. The parents do have very and vanilla white bread after having surgery sex. Well, okay. Let's talk about fornication Let's talk this for a down. second. One, they do. Kind of start to have sex and then they don't. And I think that No, is... he says they did. Because remember the day after when he's talking to the police officer, he said, you know, and finally, you know, was having a, weird, a moment with my wife. That was a weird First chair. time. Since, yeah. It was a weird chair. But he does say they did. But I just, I don't know. Like, I think that's such an interesting touch of having her habit, having had a, uh, was it a mastectomy? Okay. So her body's already been altered in one way, and she's like, oh my god, like I'm a monster because I had a mastectomy and I'm not attractive. So it's interesting to me that then she's fused with another human being on a molecular level to make a fucking monster person when she already thought of herself as being a monster. Oh, that's a different layer, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's kind of, that makes it awful sad. Yeah. And I think the fornication, I think the sex appeal in this movie is they sure do have Lavinia in a lot of short Yes. She is a very pretty girl. Running around trying to impress my boy the hydrologist, the only survivor from the movie. Nice. Do we have any, I mean, gosh, we talked a bit about the trivia associated with this movie, but do we have anything like with the cast and crew as far as trivia and how it was made? Let me throw a couple things at it, yeah. Do it. I'm going to catch them. So the color used in the film to represent the color is magenta, and they it's use like a mag- neon yeah, magenta. They use magenta because it doesn't exist as a wavelength of light as part of the spectrum of visible light, which is red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Uh, you know, Ruji Biv. Yeah. Rather, it's an extra spectral color that is only perceived by humans in a specific interaction of the optical rods in the eyes that detect red and blue in specific circumstances. To create the magenta in the mind. Since red and blue are associated with good and evil, it means that the color is apart from good and evil, and it came from another universe where these concepts cannot be applied. Interesting. So there you go. There it is. Um, the weather report playing on the television while Lavinia is washing dishes mentions the towns of Arkham, along with Innsmouth. I did notice the uh, 
Arkham. Yeah. yeah and and the hydrologist was wearing a shirt from that university. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see it now. Um, Dumb Witch and Kingport, which are all settings for other Lovecraft stories. Um, mm-hmm. So in the original story, Nathan Gardner, the Nick Cage character, right. has three children that are all boys. And this one, it's the two boys in Lavinia. Lavinia is also a character from the Lovecraft novel, The Dunwich Horror, which would have been the second um, Richard Stanley movie. It would have been the one that followed this. So presumably it would have brought her back as like a monster person, potentially. Um, Like you said, he, the hydrologist, Ward Phillips, is wearing a Miskatonic University t-shirt. Uh, that's a connection that's what, to okay. not I remember the name craft, of it. but uh, we talked about it last week with Dagon. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was, I mean, it was a really interesting movie. Yeah, let me throw these at you real fast. I'm going to catch them. Because they're Like I said, come on. So there are four classic elements in nature, and the color appears also experiments with the three classical states of matter. It falls to the planet Earth as a meteor, so a solid, and then it hides in the well as a liquid, and it finally explodes from the well into the sky in a tornado of gas. And then it turns into the fourth state of matter, which is plasma, when it's just like the light moving across the ground. Okay. Um, so it, it it's all of these things and not all of these things. It's like beyond our perception of what m- matter is. Okay. And, it's like the fifth yeah. element. Ah, okay. I thought that was a funny joke. Like they talk about it being, it's a color, but it burns. Yeah. Like they can't describe it because it's indescribable. Magenta is pretty hard. It's, I mean, not just the color, like, because they have a hard time describing what color it is, but like they can't describe what it is. Right. They're like, it's a, I don't know, it's like a color. It, it came out of the well. It's a color that came out of the well and burned us. Yeah, and then it started changing people. Yeah, it, it kind of reacted differently. Yeah, I think, and this is why Lovecraft, while being a, not, a tech, not a good person, was leaps and bounds ahead of other people when it came to science fiction writing because he's not talking about, oh, it's a flying saucer that lands and little green men get out and then they're like, you know, hey, we're from another planet. We're from Mars. It's literally They've always been here. something that is beyond our experience to understand or quantify. Mm-hmm. It's like this thing fell to Earth and my mind can't even wrap around what it is because it's so beyond us. All right. So this month, it's the end of the month, we're going to rank our movies. Let's see. We've got The Color Out of Space, Dagon. What else have we done? The Resurrected. Uh, yeah, Resurrected. And From Beyond. What about... Oh, no, wait, that was the end. Okay. You're thinking of The Void? I'm thinking of The Void. All right. I'm just jotting these down. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. Sure. Let's go four to one. Four to one. All right, four. Mm, Four for me. Which is the one uh, with the red, red room of pain? From Beyond? Okay, that's number four for me. Oh, interesting. That's number four for me. Number th- what's number four for you? Number four for me would be the resurrected. Number three is my resurrected. Okay. I liked that better than From Beyond. Although I liked the cast from From Beyond better, but that's fine. What's your number three? 
Dagon. Okay, Dagon's my number two. And then both of us put... What was your number two, then? My number two? Yeah. The Colorado Space. Then what's your number one? From Beyond. Oh, my number one was Colorado Space. Which is... Huh. Um, No one could have predicted that. Yeah, I went back and forth. Between Nick Cage and Love of the 80s? Um, No, I went back and forth. And basically, I think they're both really good movies and I like both of them mm-hmm. uh, and you know obviously this movie just looks incredible <laughs> yeah. and From Beyond is so much fun it really came down to I landed on which one do I want to watch again sooner and what is and that? it's From Beyond okay. I, I would watch From Beyond again before I would rewatch any of the other movies you watch this month which is why I'm putting a number one I've always liked... I mean, I have a giant From Beyond Frame poster. It's true, it does. That's the only reason I remember the name of it for so long. Yeah. What is... So, at the end of the, end of the month, what's next month? April. We are staying Lovecraft. Correct. Except this time we're getting away from Lovecraft um, straight adaptations, and we're going to other people in his sandbox. Ooh, sorry about that. I'm trying to write with my left hand, and I'm very excited about it. Other people in his sandbox. Okay, so what are we watching next week? Uh, we're going to start out... I'm really excited. <laughs> um, we have danced around John Carpenter for far too long, and it's time to remedy that. It's the perfect time to unveil some John Carpenter movies into um, our show. So we're going to start with Prince of Darkness. Prince of Thieves. No. Prince of Darkness. From what year? It's like 87, I think. Okay, so it's older. Okay. Well then, until next week. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. Yay.